How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, baby. Hello, my love. Well, ready to <laughs> maybe talk about sex? What's your problem? I don't have a problem. Okay, so we I have, just... a, I have a problem. I mean, the prob- my problem is this week is fucking... Here's my problem. Taylor got hit by a car. Your grandmother is... Your grandmother should have been dead a little while ago, and she's still alive. And Bigby had a fucking seizure yesterday. That's my fucking problem. I'm so done with this week, and it's only Wednesday. 
Okay. That's my problem. Okay, but um, tell me more about that. I just, I don't know. I just yesterday was, and so, okay, well, we were supposed to have a guest. We were supposed to record. Yeah. And then we get a call that your grandmother's on her deathbed. Mm -hmm. So like we drop everything and we drive over to PEI and you know, I, not to say I'm like, I was looking forward to that, but I, I do, there is something very, there was on the ride over yesterday, there was something very like, I was feeling like, yeah, you know, it's We're going to see Tara. We're going to see Sophia. We're going to see your mom. I haven't seen your mom forever. We're going to see Nana. And there's something about people coming together for death that I, I very much enjoy. Like I, and I was really looking forward to like being here, being present. Um, and on the drive out now, which also means that we have to fucking like, we have to drop our guest. We can't have a guest. We can't record with a guest. We bring our recording gear just in case we can like make something. We got to put something up today. Um, and then on the fucking drive over in Amherst, we stop for stop to use the bathroom at a gas station and we let Bigby out to pee and Bigby you're in the bathroom and I'm with Bigby and he just has a seizure in front of me and I'm holding this, I'm fucking holding this like dog. He becomes lifeless and I'm thinking in my head, Oh my God, I'm going to Bigby's going to die in my arms in a fucking gas station parking lot. He can hear us talking about him. Come here, Bigby. Here he comes. Come over here. Good boy. Lay down. Lay down. And it was just like, it just, it, you know, so anyway, he, he stopped, the seizure stopped. And then he kind of like, after shitting himself a few times, he like sort of came to, and then he's been, he's been fine since it's been less than 24 hours, but he's been basically back to his normal self. But like that shook me so hard yesterday. And I was so sad about that. Do you think that there, with all this stuff happening, in one week, there's like... And then Taylor got hit by a fucking car. Like, yeah. Taylor over the weekend gets... I mean, not not just like bumped by a car. Taylor's laid up in a fucking hospital bed with broken pelvis, broken ribs, and his punctured puncture kidney, and like in immense amounts of pain. Because he got fucking hit by a car on his on his road bike going 50 kilometers per hour. The fact that he didn't die, it fucking astonishes me. And yeah, I guess it's because it's all, yeah, it's all happening in like the same fucking week. So what do you think that the universe is trying to tell you? Buckle up because you're next. (laughs) (laughs) You think the universe is a threatening place? I don't know. I feel like it is right now. And I'm like, and I don't know if this is, I don't know. I honestly don't know if this is connected at all, but I've been having, I've been having like, as of late, like the last, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks, I've been having like a lot of like intrusive thoughts. Okay. And uh, I'm not really used to that. Like, I don't really like that. Um, Like aggressive? Yeah, like aggressive, like, you know, I got on the plane and I was just like, well, this plane is going to take off and partway through the takeoff, it's going to go straight into the earth snap in half everything's going to catch on fire 
and me and this woman next to me with her newborn baby are going to burn to death and die. All right. Like that kind of shit. Yeah. You know? And then I'm like, oh, God, why, why are you thinking like, and not just thinking like, thinking about like thinking that's going to happen. I'm, I'm talking like the, the, the whole scenario is like working out in my head and what's, yeah. what, what it fucking sounds like and smells like. And, you know, like it's like really horrifying. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, you, you also consume a lot of pretty horrifying um, no, I don't. Entertainment. No, I watched. I'm watching Chernobyl, but like Chernobyl, That's pretty horrifying. No, you know what? Chernobyl's like a walk in the park. Well, I don't know. Anyway, I, maybe you're right. I think uh, if I can go there, um, like a lot of first chakra stuff is about feeling safe and secure, and like one of the mantras you can use when you're trying to like work with creating that feeling of stability and security is like repeating you know a mantra is something you repeat over and over while you like focus your mind and and try to get really present and and like one of the ones that that has always been like really challenging for me and I think when you don't necessarily believe it it's probably more powerful to like keep repeating is that the the world is a safe and loving place Mm. and we're surrounded by messages that are telling us elsewise but there is a part of that that keeps us so ungrounded and so unstable and so afraid <clears throat> that we can't do our higher work. Mm-hmm. We're just constantly in survival mode. And, you know, I wonder if like underneath, like all of these things are happening in the world. A baby's having a seizure. Taylor's getting hit by a car. You know, people, are, my grandmother and millions of other people are dying. And it's like, you know, maybe it's kind of like your reaction to that is, or the the intensity with what you're feeling that with this week is because of this instability that you already feel about safety and security and groundedness. Like, I don't know, I'm thinking specifically about what you said yesterday um, about Becca maybe moving up north for six months. And that's like, you know, and I've yeah. been talking about going elsewhere and starting a business um like a retreat business that would take me away from home and so maybe and your parents are separating and you know there's all this stuff happening that's like maybe your ground maybe your foundation just feels a bit shook and there's like some maybe there's some practice around there that might be really powerful for you yeah i think you're right but it's all those things too and i'm sick well, that's your health and your safety and your security. Yeah. Also, it's like, I, yeah, I don't know. And also, like, I've been so busy from basically from like September yeah. up until now. And now it's just coming to like a, not a screeching halt, but like things are really petering out. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. The su- Like I have the summer off. Yeah. And, uh, and like, I, I don't generally do well with free time without having stuff to like fill that free time. But yeah, you're probably right. I just need to... And financial stability is a part of that. So like you're mm-hmm. facing a chunk of time with no income and that can also be like, it's really hard to do your creative work mm-hmm. and like be really, you know, loving and fully expressed and giving and thoughtful when you feel like you have to just attend to your basic needs. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it too. So that's that's what my that's what my problem is. 
Yeah, you need to go in and do some work on your foundation. I need to build a foundation. Yeah. You, you have a foundation. It just you've just gone through a little earthquake. Yeah, I need to just fix it. Yeah, <laughs> just fix it. Um. Anyway, so we just watched this video that you want to talk about. I think. Yeah. Called so what men crave. I have been working with a coach the last few weeks. It's a coach of mine from Los Angeles who has worked with me before. He, <laughs> Jamie is a a voice and movement coach. Um, have I met him? I don't know. Because I, I remember, I remember when we were down in Los Angeles. Uh, he's like mutual friends with one of our friends. I don't think I've met him though. But I remember when you first started working with him, I was like, "Is Brady gonna fuck this guy?" No, no. Yeah, I was. I was totally convinced man. that you were like in love with this man. No, no, no. And it's very similar. There's a lot to unpack here. I think it's very similar to the feeling that I had working with Matt Manhire of like. This right. is pretty edge, edgy is the word. This feels pretty edgy, but it feels safe at the same time. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, no. So Jamie does a lot of voice and movement work and a lot of it has to do with like, well, he's very influenced by Tantra. And Wait, Just for people who are listening who like aren't theater majors, what does voice and movement work mean? Because like someone, someone who, at fucking listening to this podcast right now who's crunching accounting numbers for their daily job in their cubicle might be like what the fuck do you mean voice and movement like i don't even know what that is so voice and movement practice is like something that probably is generally reserved for people who are pursuing some sort of profession in the arts um it is basically very like in the simplest term um as far as it applies to that is it's teaching the person how to use their voice and their body as the instrument that it is to convey emotion and nuance and depth and connectedness to, you know, if I'm an actor, I want to be, I want to feel like I'm embodying my character. And so a voice and movement practice might is, is well, for those who are professional performers, they probably have a voice and movement practice every day or mm-hmm. pretty frequently. It's like a like a hockey player using their skates or their stick as their tool. Like you got to practice, you got to practice drills on your skates. You got to practice stick handling. Like if you want to be a good, effective hockey player, you need to you know how to use the tools at your disposal to be the most effective. And yeah. acting or performance your tool is your body. And so this is this is like those drills. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting because it's a little less drill like or a little less like say in a yoga practice where you have like a sequence and you have a series of poses is like they're they're more like theories or approaches to movement that really call I feel like on your imagination to be able to like like it's a little it's not as easy as like well, if you put your foot here and you put your hand here, then you're going to, and you, and you breathe deeply, then you're going to, you know, open up your rib cage and have a bigger capacity for your breath. It's more like, okay, you just told me that I had just had a voice coaching session yesterday with Jamie. And so Jer- Jeremy, you're now sitting across from me and you're telling me all these things and I'm watching your body and I'm hearing you say all these things, but like, I want to know how it feels. Like, I want to mm-hmm. know, like, where does that, where do you feel though? Like those emotions that you feel, like what are those sensations in your body when you're really letting yourself feel that instead of like 
just stating it and it's this and it's this and it's this and it makes me like think this thing and like that's all very that's great but like if you needed to use all of that as circumstances for like a monologue that you're about to tell me then you need to embody that more you need to like show me show me what it feels like right to feel that and he and let me hear it in your voice instead of just anger and frustration like let me hear your sadness and your you know, like your sense of humor sneaks out there too. And Mm -hmm. so basically, yeah, it's like tapping into the range of your voice and your body. Okay. Um, So I've been working with this voice coach and we're just doing it through Skype and we're a group of people. So it's a lot of discussion and then a few breathing voice exercises and then we're working on reciting poetry. Um, But it always ends up being a lot more than that with Jamie. Like I remember I worked with him a couple of times um, in Los Angeles in person and then I took him out for coffee and I was like look I need a mentor and he was like whoa 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 like why don't you just go produce a play you know like I was like I need a mentor because I want to be like a big fish player in the theater community like in my country and he was like you know produce a play like that's like start there and uh which is such amazing advice when you think about it like think about the people that we know that have just completely like changed the game yeah in their own world like jordan Tannehill, Uh you know or or jacob my cousin jacob yeah like just 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 going out there going i'm gonna produce a play and then they produce this thing that gets that people adore Mm -hmm. and it just propels them forward like just do the thing that you want to do that that, that is really good advice it's good advice and it's 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 good advice for me and and i'm a pisces so i like to have like big wild extravagant dreams but i'm not necessarily as like skilled at like putting one foot in front of the other and making things happen really practically which is why i work really well as a team Mm. um player and especially like i work well when somebody else when i can trust somebody else like take the reins because i'm used to just looking around and being like who's gonna do this job this thing that needs to be done and then it not getting done and me being like oh i i guess that's my job like i feel that when i'm working on film sets like learning my role as a production manager Mm -hmm. learning my role as like an event planner and and like even sometimes you know with the podcast it's like yeah well we we don't have a guest oh that's my job (laughs) like i have to actually do that then right you know or like i don't have a job at all right now so it's like yeah, well, I guess I just, I guess I have to make that my job, is finding a job. Find a job, yeah. yeah. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, working with Jamie. And so... Right, where, where are we going here? <laughs> what, what was the point of this? So I had this coaching session yesterday, and uh, he really called me out on that a little bit. He was like... Um, he, he said some, some... So he's very influenced by Tantra, and that's what his, he also gets coaching and he also has teachers and he's lifelong committed to do, doing what he does, which is coaching people through, through these things. And he's widely regarded to be like an incredible coach. And in the times that I've spent with him alone and in groups, I've never, I've often felt that edginess of like, okay, is it safe and is it okay, especially in like today's climate to permit 
this man to put his hand on my low belly, which is like, we would do that no problem with each other as actors in mm-hmm. an acting class. Like you put your hand, you tell somebody like, put breathe down here, like breathe into my palm. Like mm-hmm. I'm here for you. You're supported. Is it okay for me to be, to allow that? Cause there's a part of my brain that goes careful, careful, careful. Like y- this is a red flag. Like you need to, you cannot be vulnerable to, to men in this way because it's too easy for them to then take advantage. Mm-hmm. So I've walked, I've told that line with Jamie and I told that line, I feel like with Matt Manhire when he took those photos of me and in other situations as well, there's always been a little part of me that's held back because I'm like, I have to be back. I have to hold back a little bit because no one's looking out for my safety here except for me. Mm-hmm. But these are two people that I genuinely feel like I could let go a little bit more and not risk there being some sort of strings attached or some sort of breach. You know, it's like, it's actually much more of an exchange. Like Mm -hmm. we have to trust each other enough to know that like, okay, I'm willing to go there. That means you have permission to go there and you're also trusting me that, that I'm, I'm aware I'm not going to misconstrue what's happening. I'm not going to. For people who don't, uh, who might not realize Matt, Matt Manhire, past guest of Termion, also a photographer. And you did some like pretty amazing photos with him, but didn't really know him. Yeah. When, before going into that. Um, like how do you, I mean, I think that's really wonderful. Like for the sake of art and for the sake of like working together with somebody else and, and being able to like shed that, that, that notion of like of having your guard up all the time like I think that's great but also there's a part of me that's like I'm I'm wondering if there's people listening to this like how do you how do you know though you know what I mean like how do you what's the thing in that scenario that makes you go that makes you like what are the signs that sort of take down those red flags or is it completely instinctual like is like a gut thing of going i get the feeling that i know that i can trust this person i think it's incremental movement totally like very slow very mindful like i'm aware that i'm i'm feeling resistant to this and then going okay is there anything in my conditioning that leads me to believe that the risks of this are or are are more probable than the benefits of this there's always a reason to believe something is more negative or more risky than and more scary than it is to go i can trust this situation and i can like i can be free here and you know do you are you like that in dating like not maybe not that very specifically, but like that way of being very um, like every incremental step within that dating process. Like, are you are you very uh, calculated? I don't think so. No, no. But this practice, to me, I mean, and I and I, what I respect about. 
uh, Jamie, my teacher, and the video we're going to discuss in a minute um, is that. Um, just one second. I, I'm, it's right there on the tip of my tongue. Don't say anything. Where is it? Is that for me, this practice that I'm being coached through is, is practical in that it helps me develop my voice and my body, but there's also something really spiritual about it that feels like it's something I'm craving anyway. This like sensuality, this I'm so curious about Tantra. I'm so curious about like living a really like vibrant, alive life with all of my senses. Um, and then there's a part of me that's like, thinks that's only reserved for people who do like ecstatic dance and, you know, take ayahuasca and, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's beyond my reach or if I participate in that, it makes me flaky or airy fairy or woo woo or Mm -hmm. like not as actually able to keep my own feet on the ground and walk with like, you know, confidence. Like I have a lot of judgment, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. Um, so which I think is fair because I mean, I think that there's, there's something there's, there's a reason why you feel that way. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there's, there's no reason why you couldn't go into that and, and not be that way. But also I feel like there's a lot of people who are drawn to that, that like way of living that really are like that. Like those airy fairy, not fuck. Like they, they are not grounded. They're so they're so off in the clouds that you're like, what the fuck is going on here? You mm. know what I mean? Like a little bit sort of just detached. Yeah. So you know, I think there's like there's a you're there's nothing wrong in yeah in having that sense of like judgment judgmental I don't know thought. Yeah. Yeah, I I and I I think of a bigger fear of mine is like I don't want to abandon reality to like yeah follow my spirituality. Yeah, right. Which yeah. I see very close to home and in, in some of my family members. Of course, yeah. You know. So anyway, um yeah. So you know, when we were in acting school, I always felt a little bit like the teachers wanted more from me. Anytime I've had a professional gig in the theater, acting in the theater, I've felt like my directors wanted more from me. Like I, it t- I was very hesitant going into the process. It took me a while to develop my character, and like, and people would say like, I just didn't know if you could get there to that like point that you need to be to be able to perform. And I think all of this is has to do with my my resistance towards like surrendering control because anytime I felt super connected to something that I'm doing I felt like I'm fucking channeling something I don't feel like it's me doing the things and saying the parts and moving my body in a certain way to like reach the peak of performance that I need to it's like mm-hmm. okay I've done the work I've trained my body I've trained my voice and now I'm why like I'm I'm just all I am is like the soles of my feet are open the crown of my head is open and I'm just a fucking channel for this embody this character to live through me Mm -hmm. and that's as pretty much as like out there that I allow myself to get but in like exercises or practices or whatever like to be able to get 
to that point, even in just like tuning my instrument is it's something I'd like to feel a little more because I think it would boost my creativity as or boost my confidence as an actor because generally I feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Man, I feel like you would respond really well to ayahuasca or DMT. Yeah, okay. I'm honestly, like, I, I, yeah. anyway, whatever. We don't have to go there if you but don't want to. But I, I feel like you, like you would have such a breakthrough. My fear with doing those things or like my resistance to doing those things is is all, I think, tied to this like sense of control that I feel like I need to have at all times. Yeah, and that, you'll just lose it. And then once you lose it, once you lose that sense of control, it's as simultaneously as it is scary. It is just as fucking like wide-eyed, wonderful and beautiful. And anyway, I, I don't, I don't mean to derail. Yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. We'll have, that's a different conversation. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's get into this video then. Okay. But wait. Um, oh, okay. so, <laughs> so in my session yesterday with Jamie, um, you know, I, I basically like shared whatever, uh, he said, um, he suggested that, we're all masculine and feminine. We're all, we all have these like, mm-hmm. um, sides, uh, parts of ourselves, or there's certain things that, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth because I would be just paraphrasing and I don't know the world of Tantra at all, but I get the sense that it comes from that world, that this masculinity, femininity, and like embracing both, uh, both sides as existing within, you know, each of us and is, is really important to developing this range and and he suggested that I spend a lot of time in my masculine which is exactly what I just described to you as like I'm the one who has to do this job I will get it done like I am you know I have to be my own leader in a lot of my life and career wise and stuff like that and even just like around the house and like managing the household and taking care of Big B and I know I've, I've been like that too in my relationships with you and with Todd and um and he was like basically just so we did this exercise right before so I read my poem and then he goes okay this you know blah 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 he's like how are you with accepting praise I was like not very good like I'm very uncomfortable with it he's like okay here's the exercise giving and receiving praise is very it's got a very it's very feminine in quality like whatever he's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, so what I want to do is take the next two minutes and I'm just going to barrage you with praise. And I want you to sit up tall because I have this like a bit of a thing when I'm working with my voice where my shoulders come forward and I put my hand on my chest a lot, like in front of my heart. And like, I have a lot of just holding myself in protection mode yeah. it's protection mode a little bit yeah so he was like i want you to just like relax your sit up tall just soften your sternum your you know soften your shoulders and i don't like don't put your hands across your chest don't touch your face like just can you just receive it and so we did that and as he did that there was definitely like a voice in my brain going like well what does he know you know and feeling like you know part of me is just wanting to pull me out of it and be like this is like fake and blah 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 but anyway I stayed with it 
I softened, I listened. And what I started to feel was like, and he was just, he was saying things about like how I'd shared the poem, like really vulnerably and really nuanced. And, you know, he wasn't like talking about my looks or my appearance or anything like that. It was like how you show up and your vulnerability and your, your willingness to like, you know, share that with us and blah, blah, blah. I started to feel really without, I don't want to say without ego, but without like being like proud of myself or like patting myself on the back, I started to feel really like goddess-like. Like I really rooted, like I was sitting on my shins. I was, you know, sitting on the floor, sitting on my shins. And I felt like if I could explain the way it felt like in my body was like, I felt like a statue a little bit. Like my, my foundation, my legs that I was sitting on were like solid and like earthy or not like concrete but something more organic than concrete like really rooted and this like rising through my spine and this softness through my chest and this lift like this proudness this worthiness like rising like through the crown of my head or sitting there and taking it or because of the things he was saying to you not even because he a combination of both right okay and it felt very much like an exchange, like he was saying things and I was receiving them and I was like rising to that occasion. And then it was like a symbiotic thing. And then I read my poem again and I had that, you know, at at a certain point, it's like the poem took over me. Mm-hmm. And when it was done, I was a vibrating, you know, that feeling when mm-hmm. you're really like, there was this butterflies in my in my deep abdomen, like just this like vibrancy all through my body and still really grounded. Cause the first time I read it, I was like nervous. I was like vibrating, but I was really in my head and you know, like it was not in my body anyway. So, so his basically his challenge was to me, was to investigate that like embodying my feminine as much as I do my masculine. Mm-hmm. So he suggested this video um, by uh, by his coach, John Wineland, who is, well, let me read you his little, a quick little explanation of who John Wineland is, um, who I had never seen before, but now I'm watching this video. I'm like, he's, it reminds me a lot of Jamie, actually. Um, okay, so he says, this is, this is the about section on John Wineland's um, website. I believe we all crave the deepest forms of romantic and sexual intimacy. We want to experience love that is pure and unconditional. We want to worship those we love and we want to be worshipped in return. I believe we innately want to be able to share what is true in our hearts and be met with compassion and understanding without being made wrong or told we need to change. I believe we want sex that blows open our hearts and makes us grateful to be alive. The problem is not our desire to love well, nor our innate capacity to make it real. The reason we struggle is that people know that they want these things, even if they aren't quite sure how to name them. Very few of us were taught how to create and sustain this type of sexual intimacy. We were sold the myth that beautiful connection just happens. Great sex is a result of natural attraction with the right person. Find the one and your life will be a never-ending collage of vacations, intimate moments, beautiful children, and mutual success. So, 
John Wyland is an LA-based speaker and teacher leading men and women in the practices of embodied masculine leadership, spiritual intimacy, and sexual polarity. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what any of this means. This is just this is me just dipping my toe into it. And we watched a video that um, Jamie suggested called What Men Crave. And it's on YouTube. So we just watched it. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to talk about it. Not that I didn't want to talk about it. You go ahead. So <laughs> I you take from it? felt a lot of the same. And I don't know if I would have felt this watching it by myself, but you were here and Tara was here and I was listening to it. And <laughs> it's really hard for me to experience something when I'm around other people without wondering how they're experiencing it. Totally. And it completely disconnects me from my own feelings. So most of the time I was watching that and I was thinking about all the problems that you might have with it, that Tara might have with what it, that problem- maybe I should have yeah, with what, it. What were the problems that you thought I might have with it? I thought that you might have, uh, you might be like, well, it's not the climate to have that conversation. Okay, so... Yeah, kind of. I, like, so it's it's interesting listening to you speak about, you know, the class that you're taking or, or you know, doing stuff with, with your coach or with Matt and it being like um, edgy. That's what I got from this video. And the thing was, like, I'm watching this video and there were uh, there were some things that he said in there in that in that that video, What Men Crave, that I was like, hmm. That's like very well put, very, like very well said. I kind of enjoyed a few of the things that he that he brought up. Um, but then there were also a lot of things that that came up that I was like, man, I don't know, man, I don't know if you should be. Who are you being uncomfortable for there, though? Probably myself. I don't know because there there is like there is this kind of there. You're you're right. You're almost exactly right in saying that. I had this sensation of like, this is not the time for a man to tell women what they need to be doing. And I felt that for like 80% of the video, but then there was another, you know, 20% where I was going, but man, fuck, that's like, you got He's got, you got a really good point there. And, and, and those things were things that he was, he was shining mirror back on me as a man. Right. Right. Um, so like it, I, yes, it, it basically boiled down to me watching this and feeling like, uh, like this is edgy. This is making me feel a little uncomfortable. This is making me feel like, but the message, the message that he's basically trying to give in this video is like, we've, we've fucking sucked. Men have at suck. We have sucked for thousands of years. And we acknowledge that. And now we're here to like extend our hand out to go, you know, what can we do so that we can all work together? And there, I, I guarantee you there's going to be some women that watch that video and go, fuck yeah, man, this is great. And then there's going to be someone like I was just thinking Michaela watching that video. Michaela would have ch- tuned out. Now, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But yeah. our friend Michaela. Yeah. I'm, I'm expecting Michaela to sit down and tune out within the first 10 seconds and go, Fuck you. I none of what you're saying matters to me. 
Now, I don't know. Maybe she would maybe she would watch it and love it. I don't know. But that's like that was one of the things that came up in my head. That's why I didn't want to talk about it. Because I, I, I the reason I didn't want to talk about it is because I under I know that that he had a lot of really great things to say. But I also don't want to sit here and be like take away from any of those things because of the way that because of my own shit. Yeah. That's that's the only reason I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, the part that I was really wanting to get to was something that Jamie had said in our session. Um, he was like, he basically was talking about me, like the way that I was receiving the praise and like relating it to like, how do you receive love? Because I was saying, I don't think that organically I have, I don't think I was raised to express or receive physical or verbal affection. So he asked me what my love languages are. I don't know if we've talked talked about that on this podcast before. Love languages? Love languages. Oh, for sure. We have? I, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say for sure. So basically, in a real quick like pill form, um, love languages are is this theory that there are five major ways universally that we give and we recognize love when it's expressed or or ex, or we express love. And those five ways are quality time, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, and gifts. Mm-hmm. And um, generally, everyone's got a couple of those, maybe one more prominent than the other. Some of them don't matter at all to other people. And generally, when we pair up, we try to give love in the way that we like to receive love. So like, I'll spend all my time with you. Or I'll make you a cup of tea in the morning. Or I'll make the bed. Or, you know, whatever. And those are all things that, like, I would love to receive. Mm -hmm. But for you, it's like, well, I need to be touched and I need to be told. Mm -hmm. And those things, I feel like I was raised not to to really do. And not only that, that, that some of it was actually quite shameful. Right. And I think that's what I bring in with you know, with all this, everything else I've said so far, it's like what I walk into the room with already when it comes to trying to access, you know, those things. But anyway, um, um, yeah, he, he was like, can you accept, you know, praise, um, and recognize it for the love that it is, that there's love all around you and that it's there. And I'm like, I guess so. But there's almost always a part of me that feels really resistant to physical uh, or verbal affection. Like there's a part of me that's like, what strings are attached here? Mm -hmm. What do you want from me? And I mentioned it to our friend Britt the other day and I told her about kind of a little bit of my childhood and how I, I had to like learn these skills because the family I was raised in was not that, but the family that I'm really connected right now to, like my mom's side of the family is very physically and verbally expressive. And there's always a part of me that resents it a little bit and feels uncomfortable in it. Um, so I was like, Oh, maybe that had gets in my way. Like not there's, I've had a lot of good love given to me that I haven't known how to, receive or that I've actually felt even a little resentful of. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing he said was like, you, you, you know, after we, I read the poem and he was like, that was so like generous and like really vulnerable and you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, but I trust, I trust you. And this is what I just said. I was like, I trust you. And he laughed so hard. He's like, 
was like, I am in a, you know, I am in a polyamorous relationship. I have good love coming at me. And he was like, you know, the, like the sexiest thing that a, like a woman can say to a man is I trust you. I trust you to like, I trust you with, you know, my body. I trust you with my heart. I trust mm-hmm. you to like lead me where, where you want, like where you're going or whatever. And, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm not really good at that either. Like I know with you, like I recognize like a lot of the things from our relationship dynamic in, in what Jamie said. And then in watching this video, which is like, I don't exer- I don't express a lot of trust mm-hmm. and I don't, I definitely know that my passion when I'm upset is much stronger than my passion when like, I'm really grateful. Mm-hmm. Vaguely, it's not exactly what I meant, but like, you know, I'm much better at recognizing things when they're not working out than when they are working out. Mm. And that's something we talked about in like therapy before too. But anyway, so, so I watched this video and I was waiting for those parts, those parts that had resonated with me when Jamie said them to me. But then, you know, it's like, and I'm watching this guy and I'm like, so easy for like a sexy white man to like, say all of these things mm-hmm. and you know he's he's you know he says right at the beginning which is interesting that he he was talking to like he was like 80 percent of the people in this crowd are super powerful successful business women and what do i have to like bring to the table for them and that the audience seems quite engaged they did they seem like they were enjoying it yeah there is also this part of me that that and and I this again I don't I don't want to say this because I I kind of don't want people to know this about me, but there is also a part of me when I watch a video like that where I just start to think of like, it just makes me think of like, uh, like people like Osho and like oh like culty yeah not I mean not not in the cult sense but in this in the in the like. Dangerous charisma. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like in the in the sort of like I wonder like it it makes me sit there and go I wonder what this guy's personal uh, relationship life is like. I wonder what what his exes might say. Mm-hmm. I wonder what you know past lovers would would have to say about this person. Yeah. Because like I I'm I guess I, I guess I'm just like I've become so cynical and like non trustworthy. That like I see someone talking like that and I'm just like, oh, you're just using this to get pussy. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that, like that is the immediate response that I have as opposed to going, hey, let me listen to this person yeah. with an open heart and an open mind. Um, and maybe that's because a lot of times when you hear someone speaking in this way as a man, a sexy white man to women. Yeah. That is very charming and very like alluring. It often ends up coming back to be like, oh yeah, they they were actually like this manip- manipulative, like horrible person, you yeah. know? And so it's like, it just, I guess, and again, I'm not saying anything. About, I'm not saying that that is this ca- the case here. Like, I really want to stress that. That is not what I'm saying. Yeah. I am just acknowledging that that's exactly where my brain goes yeah. because I've been like conditioned to think that way based off of the shit that I've seen and, you know, read and watched yeah. growing up as a, as a fucking white male and, and going, not me. I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. So. I know it's really perplexing <laughs> because 
Because like the, the people that I think of, the people that I think of when it comes to giving out like advice or or speaking from a place of like, hey, here's some stuff that you should hear that will be very valuable to you in the way that you love or the relationships that you have or going forward in your life. The people that I hear that speak to that, that I really believe in wholeheartedly and will fucking throw every ounce of belief to are people like ugly Dan people. Savage. Yeah, yeah. Or ugly people. No, it's like people <laughs> like Dan Savage. Yeah. People like um, Esther Perel. People who who don't, who don't. And again, this is probably me having all this like, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues with things like homeopathy and... And like anything that just fucking like deals with the woo woo, I, I like I almost immediately toss away. But it's like when I listen to Dan Savage, I know I'm just getting like logical, reasonable shit coming Masculine. out of someone's mouth, and it's just like real talk. Or Esther Perel, exact same thing. Whereas like with someone like this, where it's backed with almost this like mystical, um, magical tantric sort of otherworldly you know half of this is coming from my dreams like that when i hear that stuff i go ah, okay I but know. nowhere in there did he say mystical I, magical coming from my dreams. no i know that it was actually I know. all quite practical but you know what totally. i think the difference is what is the quality with which he talked about sex because it was extremely Dan Savage doesn't talk about sex like that. No. And Esther Perel does not talk about sex like that. No. And he was very extremely explicit. Yeah, explicit in, in the in the like in the in the sensualness of sex. Like the yes, yeah, 100%. Right? And I think it was it's, we it's, have a shared experience in the way that we were raised in that there is something inherently evil and well, maybe not evil, but dangerous. About that. About that. And about, um, I don't know, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but like that kind of sensuality is extremely feminine in right. terms of this polarity that right. he's talking about. Sure, sure. Now, I don't know. The other thing that like rings bells for me too is like, how does this work? And like a non-binary blah, blah, blah. Like how does all of like that play and also like the the conversations about gender and like yeah, totally. what's the difference between masculine and feminine and male and female, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and, and yeah. so on. And, and like I want to ask those questions, but I also, um, but I also trust and believe that that those two things are, they're, they're not mutually exclusive one and uh, mm -hmm. one another and it's just the way that I'm interpreting it. It's really just hearing you say that that I'm like, yes, that is what the red flag is, is like that kind of talking about sex in that kind of way is dangerous, maybe borderline on like abusive, you know, like Dude, controversial. I mean, there, there, there's one fucking thing that he said in there very specifically that yeah. I was like, whoa, dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You know, where he was like, you know, like we, we want, we want everything range. at once. We want range. We want the, we want the, like the, the caring mother. We want the, the. He was talking the, about in, in sex. Yes, I know. Yeah. We want the caring mother. We want the, or, or maybe he didn't he, say mother, but like the, the caring nurse, the, the, the sexy co-ed and the cock worshiping whore. And yeah. you're like, oh God, dude. 
but yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, like, like he says it, and I'm like, Jesus, man, come on. And then I go, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right, though. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. It's like, it's like, there's a lot, I think, to investigate there and a lot to unpack there because I, I think that embracing, we're asking people to have conversations about sex. Yeah. And we're getting lots of people who listen to the podcast who have listened to everything we've put out and are writing in and being like, I'm still in a sexless relationship. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. maybe. And you you know what? There are things, you're right. Like in in, in hearing you, st- like you you know, you had this, this long monologue there where you're talking about the work that you've done and what you're gleaning from all this. And I'm hearing it and I'm going, wow, this sounds like it's, this sounds like it's very valuable for you. It, this sound, and this all, this is all stuff that makes me excited for you that, that you're feeling this way. But then I'm also, there's like this little voice in the back of my head that's like, just don't join the cult. Well, that's just it. Like maybe the difference is that I, if I really want to open my heart to this like wholeheartedly without, and be able to, you know, surrender to my yeah. character or to my lover mm-hmm. or to, you know, in those moments to really enter that space of like ecstasy and bliss and like the flow and like being in it that, that I need to trust myself that I'm not going to get lost. Yeah. That you, you're not, it, that it's not going to become escaping Nexium. Yeah. You know, I don't know what that reference is. It's a reference to a sex, a re, very recent a sex cult in LA that yeah. had a lot of like, a lot of actually some famous people a part of it and very very dark dark stuff uh cbc put an uh actually a podcast out called escaping nexium and oh, it's cool. fascinating and f- fucked up and it, it this is exactly one of those things where it kind of like reminds me of that or resembles yeah. but here just to we have a fucking skype call in like 30 seconds oh we should do that you want to do that and then come back to this? yeah we should okay. do that for sure Turn Me On will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
And we're back. Um, that was a good Skype call, wasn't it? It was uh, really exciting. How about that? Um, uh, so I guess we'll move on now to other things. Uh, the first thing I want to say is, remember last week how we titled it episode 85? Yeah. And then, so I was like, yeah, I guess like, I guess I, I forgot. So I thought I forgot. So when I, when I input the episodes to put them up, yeah, I just number them. So I go, all right, what did we do last week? Oh, we did 92. All right, this week, 93. And then I put the episode title. Yeah. So someone was like, I can't find episode 85. And then somebody else is like, I can't find episode 85. And then I went to Libsyn, which is like our podcast hosting service. And I was like, fuck, there is no 85. It just went from 84 to 86. Weird. And so I was like, oh, fuck, dude. I must have put 86 meaning to put 85 and yeah. then just never noticed. And we went on from 86 up. So we never had a, a technically an 85 fifth episode. Well, someone from Germany reached out and was like, hey, guys, you do have an episode 85, but I can't download it. And they sent me a screenshot and it was the incest and pair bonds. Episode. Oh, that's right. But that episode is fucking gone. And I don't know where it is. What? It's not on Libsyn. And do... And I didn't delete it. No. So part of me is like, did... I don't know, like, if someone at E1 accidentally made... Like, I, I don't know if somebody accidentally deleted it. Yeah. Or if Libsyn or, or something was like... We can't have we that. can't have episodes named incest or something yeah. like like weird could it could it be something like that I don't fucking know so technically this is episode ninety nine but because we um we actually did have it eighty five or actually no this is episode one hundred yeah, but don't tell anyone because our next week is one hundred our one hundredth extravaganza our very special one hundredth episode that's right so technically this is actually ninety nine but it's ninety nine point five. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a radio station. Uh, but in that 85th episode, that wasn't 85th, uh, episode 85 last week, I told you, Brody, about some uh, sex that I had in Edmonton recently where my my sexual partner, who I had just met, um, was orgasming every 15, 20 seconds. And, uh, and, and, and I, I didn't know, I didn't, I've never heard of this before. And I brought it up to you. And I... And you thought it was bullshit. I shamed that person. You, sh- you shamed. <laughs> you shamed her. And you said, that's bullshit. She was lying. And I was I, like... Now, come on. I did not say that's... I, I said, think you that's said, what... I think you that's said, what comes to mind. I think you said, that's bullshit. She's lying. She's a fucking, <laughs> she's a fucking liar. Give me your number. I'll text her. She's a liar. Um, so you thought it wasn't true. I I was just I I just kind of had you know the shrug guy emoji I was mm-hmm. just that because mm-hmm. I was like it seemed pretty real. Well, my my my, did we ever realize how badly I put my foot in my mouth? Badly you put your foot in your mouth nope. because we had so many women write to us to tell us that they experienced the same thing that they go through the same thing. So here is the letter I got um, that made me realize how I didn't realize uh, that I was shaming the person you were telling me about. It was a very well-written email, and I'm glad that uh, this person sent this in. Um, and I think it's really um, important to to like 
remind myself of this because I think I actually said it that that other um, episode we had to take down because of the girl who was getting shamed by sharing her for sharing her story. Remember we yeah. took that down and yeah. we talked about shaming people and we like did. how you might actually not realize that you're shaming someone. That's right. So here we go. I do that. I probably do that 10 times a day. Okay. So I won't use your name because I didn't get explicit consent. Motorcycle? Yeah, just, whatever. Just go. Okay. Hey, Jeremy and Bridie. First of all, I would like to thank you both for your insightful and wonderful podcast. Your conversations with each other and great guests have been such an eye-opener for myself and my relationships. You are fantastic. Thank you. I wanted to send an email in regards to Jeremy's story about a sexual partner in Edmonton with the many orgasms. The story resonated with me as I also possess this ability, in quotations. And yes, a lot of the time my sexual partners or friends I've told have responded with a variety of negative or incredulous responses. Usually either you're faking it or you haven't had a real orgasm then, which are both things that I said. You said both of those things? Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't say this person obviously has never had a real orgasm. I was like, what if? Wow. Come on. uh, (laughs) No need for you to shame. I'm going to shame you for shaming me. (laughs) Okay, continue. (laughs) A brief history for context. I was raised in a very loving but sexually conservative home. I didn't know anything about sexuality, including my own. University gave me the opportunity to explore. During my first sexual experience, some dry humping in a stairwell, true romance, I had multiple physical reactions to riding this guy's knee. Returning to my apartment, I asked my more sexually experienced roommate about it. When I described the sensation, she responded with, oh yeah, that's an orgasm. When I told her that this had occurred multiple times in the 10 odd minutes, her support for my sexual debut immediately diminished. Apparently, there's no way you could have come like eight times just from dry humping. Unfortunately, this was the common response to most people I told. So began years of self-doubt regarding my sexual experiences and sensations. Nowadays, I have a much more sex-positive approach to my body and sexual stimulation. My current partners both understand that this is a unique ability and don't shame me for it. As far as I know, I don't have restless genital syndrome, PGAD, nor am I in a constant state of arousal. I can just come super easily and a lot. In a regular penetrative sex session with my partner, I can have 20 to 50 orgasms. In one marathon session with a previous partner, we stopped counting after 100. Whoa. Sometimes this is accompanied by a very obvious physical reaction, squirting, but sometimes it isn't. I can orgasm from listening to music, from thinking myself to orgasm with no physical touching, from masturbating, and of course, from sexual activities with partners. Personally, I've experienced that there is sometimes a stigma attached to the ability to come a lot. Although we have made some major strides, modern media still puts a lot of emphasis on the male orgasm. In this instance, I refer to cis-heteronormative approaches to sex that are still the norm in most major forms of media. Women are thought, women in quotations, are thought to just only have one orgasm, if they're lucky. And if they have multiple, the partner who has caused this is given an almost heroic or godlike fawning by other characters. I've always been able to come a lot, whether by myself or with a partner, but because of this ability, I've been accused of lying by previous sexual partners, been told that I can never be trusted, and worse, and worse, (laughs) for a time, I pretended not to orgasm as often as I did because of rejection and distrust. Thankfully, I no longer feel I have to hide my ability to come a lot as I've learned to cultivate much more positive and open sexual relationships. 
Some people can just come a lot. It doesn't mean they're faking. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. I know that my experiences aren't common or the norm, but they are a valid human sexual experience. If you ever want to chat more about this topic, please let me know. I love your podcast and love talking about sex positive subjects. Thank you. Well, how about that? Yeah, I'm and good really point. Sorry. Some people just come a lot. Some people just, or, just some people just orgasm very easily, and some people have a very hard time with it. And as it turns out, like at least from the population of people that listen to our podcast, it's not completely uncommon. Right. Yeah, because we've had that. That wasn't just that wasn't the only message we got. Mm-hmm. We, we've we've got several from people reaching out to say that they too have a very similar. Uh, outcome when it comes to penetrative sex and when i explained my faux pas i think that's the right word for it to someone else in my life i was like yeah i like i'm just getting these messages about how i shamed someone and in a completely obviously respectful oh, compassionate yeah. no, way no, no thank one was you. shitting on you yeah thank you for no, being no. so respectful on that um uh that person also was like oh yeah i had a sexual partner that it was exactly the same thing. And, yes. And couldn't have like penetrative sex as often as, you know, or maybe not penetrative, but couldn't, couldn't, would have to like do other things essentially because it would get too intense. It'd be too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and then the other thing that they said, which was interesting is like, they said at first it was flattering, but then I realized that it wasn't about me. It was just this person's ability oh yeah and obviously feeling good i'm sure i felt that i felt that in even in the experience with this with this woman yeah was like halfway through a quarter of the way through i was like holy shit i think i've tapped it leveled up i think i fucking leveled up (laughs) yeah i ate the fucking i ate the mario like star yeah i'm on star power and then like halfway through i went oh no i'm i'm just the exact same I was before I came in here. This is just, this is just her. This is just her thing. Mm -hmm. This is her gym. So, but it's, you know, it was fun. It's fun. It's kind of, again, like I was saying, I said this last week, it's like, it, it's, it's fun. Not only because there's something fun about that. It, because it's new, right? It was novel. It was like, um, but, but there's also something fun about realizing how different everybody's body completely is, you know? Yeah. Everyone's so different. Yeah. Everyone and everyone reacts to to sex so differently. And it's just like it's just such a fascinating little adventure through the world of 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 people and communicating in that very specific way mm-hmm. with your clothes off and inside each other. Yeah. And are you down to to opening up, to talking about it and more uh, edgy and risky am ways. I, am I, is that a question for me? Am I? <laughs> yeah. Yes, man. I'm always down. I was down <laughs> to sit and watch the video. Yeah. I was just acknowledging that there's some things that come up in my head that I also acknowledge that those things exist <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, I feel good about it. I feel good about the conversation. And uh, and I'm sorry to your previous sexual partner that I I I I that I perpetuated. Yeah. I wonder stigma. if she listened and got and had her feelings hurt. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> I don't know if she did. I, I haven't I haven't uh, spoken to her too much. Um, all right. Well, do you want to do you want to call it a day? Yeah, I think uh, we should go visit my grandma. We should do that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in this week. Uh, we love you all. That you know. Sorry for the. Conf- 
the confusion with episode numbers. Uh, this is just uh, one of those things that happens when you're... Next week, episode 100. Episode, the real episode 100. 100.00. It's coming at you next week. It's going to be extravaganza. We're going to be... Do it. Do we? Do you want to like say what we're doing? I guess, well, it. we'll tell you this. It has a lot to do with moms. It's going to be a mom-ganza special. <laughs> Mom Ganza. Mom Ganza. <laughs> uh, anyway, we love you all. Thank you so much. If you want to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash turn me on um, and uh, find some perks over there. We've got some sexy um, uh, short stories and poems that uh, are going to be loaded up over the next few months, read by yours truly, Bridie McLean. With my new embodied voice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you ever want to reach out to us, uh, like... Our lovely guest did to tell us about Bridie's shameful, shameful uh, behavior. <laughs> you can do that at turnmeonpodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into the DMs over on Instagram. Yeah, I'm actually super curious to hear your thoughts on this conversation that we had today on today's episode. And go watch the video go that watch we it. watched and tell us all about all the feelings thoughts yeah i'm curious just to hear people's opinions on that um and uh i think i think that's it for this week yeah sure is until next week go fuck yourself